Marketing Mindset, the Growth Hacker's Guide to Business Success. Join us with conversations with the world's leading experts, covering their biggest insights from years of experience. We also host deep dives into the latest innovations in marketing to the most successful time-worn strategies that you can start using today. I genuinely believe that effective marketing is about helping somebody come to a decision with which they remain happy, even if that's not to buy from you. I always used to write to people saying, you know, where are you? Where have you gone? I'd be direct, punchy. And you get widows writing back saying, my husband has gone to the other side. Oh, God, you know, it's just, this, is, this, this is not good. The Marketing Mindset Podcast is hosted by me, Sam Harris, and my business, Postery, the leading solution of personalized marketing with the mission to rid the world of spam. Today, we have Matt Ward on the podcast. He grew an Amazon business from nothing and sold it in one year for $1 million. And he now runs an investment syndicate and two great podcasts. He has some great lessons on marketing and building your business in unusual ways and just fantastic advice. So I'm sure you're going to enjoy the episode. I'm a big fan of the spray and pray mindset of figure out something that you think will work and then try everything, throw the sink, the kitchen fence, everything. What's a kitchen fence? You throw everything at it and like fishing, you'll find out that almost all of the areas where you try to fish aren't going to work. But in 20% of the areas, you're going to get 80% of the results. It's the Pareto principle. So for instance, if you want to get on podcasts, you reach out to podcasts. If you want to find different marketing channels, you want to write blog posts for SEO, you reach out to tons of SEO places. And most of them are going to turn you down or they're not even going to reply. But a certain subsection of subset of them will. And by doing that, if you see what converts and what doesn't, you just double down on the stuff that's working. And then you've kind of figured things out without having to be smart about it. You've just brute forced your way into into marketing success. And that's so that's something I like in a lot of areas because there are so many different ways you could expand. There's Pinterest ads, there's Google ads, there's YouTube ads, there's social media marketing, there's mm. SEO, there's a bajillion different things you can do to get people to your store, get people to your site. But you have no idea what the, what the hell is going to work. You can look at what your competitors mm. are doing and try to replicate that. But if they're doing that, they're already there, you're not, they have more money, they've got more brand recognition, you probably need to be a little bit different. And even if you are doing the same thing with them, it's not going to be that successful in the long term, because you have competition doing it anyway. So it's going to get expensive. So you've got to try new things and see what works and kind of spray and pray is my uh, is my approach. Cool. And, and review. <laughs> and, and, and review. Very important. Use the analytics side of it. Um, yeah, that's really interesting. Of those spray and pray things, then what were the things that have worked best for you? I think it's really contingent on what your goals are. Mm. So the big problem that a lot of people have are they follow other people's goals or other people's methods without really thinking about, is this applicable to me? If you're running an e-commerce store and you find another e-commerce store that's doing something similar and working, that's probably a good sign that it's going to work for you. But if you're running a podcast and want to grow the podcast, it's probably not remotely similar to the things that you would need to be doing. For me personally, what I've found, I would say the best growth hack I have found, at least with running the podcast, has been reaching out to stupidly audacious guests, people that have no business coming on the podcast and talking to me and reaching out to a ton of them so that some of them come on. My, one of my earlier podcasts, I had Seth Godin on. I had no business having Seth Godin on the podcast. I reached out to him. He said, no, or why? Why should I come on? And I was like, you should come on because X, Y, Z. And he's like, okay, let's do it. And that was like, that was a watershed moment of, if you just try, the worst that can happen is a no, but the best that can happen is much bigger upside. 
Yeah, I've had a few people like that. Now I'm like, shit, I should totally change my uh, <laughs> plans and just go really hard on just the most awesome people. Uh, what were the X, Y, Z that you said to Seth Godin exactly? I think it was something to the effect of, we need to talk about the dip and here's why. It was basically his book. And yeah. I, I think I realized later on that I might have confused his book with one of Malcolm Gladwell's books. I'm not entirely sure. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> but uh, I, yeah. I pulled it off somehow. It's a totally possible thing to do. Smooth. Okay. And then on e-commerce, what would you say was your biggest growth hack? Try unconventional things. So my background is Amazon. I built and sold. I would manufacture products in China and then import them to the US and Europe. And it was primarily white label type stuff. So you, you were putting your brand on things that people don't care what the brand is and then selling that. And I mm. kind of, I built a podcast around that FBA All-Stars and I pioneered borderline white gray hat type things. So getting reviews for products, trying to push products out to friends and family, hacking the rankings, everything you're not supposed to do, but that every entrepreneur tries to do. That mm. was the stuff that I did and did really, really well, which allowed the business to grow very quickly. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> mm-hmm. Interesting one to be recommending. Okay, cool. So what would you say were your biggest marketing mistakes or that you see people make that are their biggest mistakes? Continuing to do things that not, don't work and not thinking big enough. So I, I think I think you can always accomplish 10 to 100x whatever you think you can if you just think about it a little bit differently. So if you, if you think about, okay, we need to get to a million dollars in sales this year. Well, what if you flip that on the head and say, what would have to be different for us to get to $10 million in sales this year? The difference isn't that big. It's not that much work. It's not that many people. It's just a slightly different tweak to your system. Maybe instead of running all Google ads, you get affiliates on board to promote your products. Maybe instead of, I don't know, expanding into new product lines, you try to open up and get your products into retail, et cetera. There's different ways you can think about growing a business. And when you think bigger, it forces you to think differently. And even if you don't make it all the way there, you still normally make it much farther than you would have. Mm. Yeah. If you make it halfway to a hundred million, that's much better than yeah, that's not bad at all. million kind of thing. What is your favorite marketing campaign? I think the best marketing campaigns are the ones that you don't entirely realize or think about them as marketing campaigns. So I know I've pointed out different ones in the past to my wife and I'll, I'll be like, wow, that's really unique. I, I like what they did there, even though it seems corny, it's not. And here's why. One, that, one example that comes to mind is um, in Zurich, in the subway, they had these ads for this beer and on the beer the advertisement was trying to point out that this was a really simple natural beer and it said something in big print like this is why simplicity is important for us and then it had 400 words of tiny text writing out the reasons behind why they wanted all natural and all of this and all of that the way they did it was interesting because they they obscured away there were so many reasons that they had to write it tiny yeah (laughs) okay thanks for that oh what would you say is your favorite brand i don't really wear logos on just about anything I don't really believe in being someone else's marketing message. So if you see me with a shirt that has a logo on, that's almost impossible. In terms of brands, I'm not a big brand guy. Uh, I would say my favorite brands would probably be more like individual brands. So there's some podcasts. I think Sam Harris has a pretty good brand. He doesn't like advertise. Sorry, the other Sam Harris. He doesn't (laughs) advertise on his podcast. He wants to be transparent with people. He has conversations that are difficult. He's willing to put himself on the line. And yet he's making money via a Patreon type model where people are supporting him via essentially donations. 
I like that brand because it's something that is missing today in the world. There's no outside influences. There's no, well, there is obviously some ego, but there's not as much of the ego. And it's transparent in a way that most media and most people aren't these days. Cool. Bet you didn't expect that one. (laughs) Yeah. That's fascinating though. Cool. What would you say is the next big thing in the future of marketing? You're a bit of a future focused person. I'm excited about where we're headed in terms of AR and VR. So both in terms of marketing and in terms of sales or commerce. So they've got the AR stuff now where you can pull out your phone and look and, oh, that's what that bed would look like in my room. And that's kind of the first step for AR marketing. But I think it's going to get significantly more so as we start to get to a situation where we have some type of AR, VR type goggles that are on us more frequently, whether that's displaying different objects that you might want to buy. Hopefully that's not because it's a bit intrusive, whether that's potentially buying things that are add-ons to what you're wearing now. So let's say I had a Superman cape that you can only see if you're wearing AR goggles. We look at the freemium model. People are buying shitloads of stuff for video games just to make themselves look cool. I don't see why they wouldn't do it in the real world as well. So when more people are wearing AR glasses, AR contact lenses, et cetera, maybe you have kids that are buying things that are completely virtual to augment themselves. You could say the same thing with virtual reality as we start to have new worlds open up. Maybe you want a Tesla in your new world. Maybe you want to have someone that's doing design for your grass outside your home that you own in this world that doesn't exist, but does exist. There's a lot of different things that play out in there. I think AR, uh, I think VR especially will probably be driven as most technologies are by porn and prostitution. Adult industries drive those type of things. And well, there's people that want certain things. And when they can get those certain things from anywhere in the world, it becomes interesting for them. And that brings the business models for other businesses to get on board. For instance, Patreon. Patreon's super successful now. When they started out, it was basically a it's basically a porn cam site. So people that were in the adult industry could get paid through that. Today, they don't take them because they don't need to. But initially, that's how they got their traction was getting people that had no other way to have payment processors support them, get them on board, get the audience and then slowly grow from there. And I think you'll probably see similar stuff in like a VR model where we have black markets happening. We have people that are creating different platforms so that you can have so that you can have whorehouses, et cetera. And then people using those APIs and platforms to create actual marketplaces within VR where real commerce starts to take place. Cool. I had no idea that Patreon was like that. Most people don't. If you look at most technologies and most companies like that, especially payment processors, that happens in almost every instance where it's kind of used for more illicit stuff. And then over time, as they grow, they want to become reputable. Same thing with YouTube, kicking people off that they don't want to have on their platform. Same thing with Facebook, kicking off the games that they don't want to have. It's not always about dirty stuff, but it's always about using the people that need you until you don't need them anymore. So if you were going to launch a cryptocurrency, Do you think you'd focus on solving problems for the porn industry first to finally have a cryptocurrency that does something? I wouldn't necessarily approach it that way, but I could see that being a valuable way to approach it. And like with cryptocurrency, it's super interesting and it's also super overhyped. But there are certain use cases that make if you're trying to create something to replace a dollar, you've got to do a really damn good job and it's got to be stable. Right now, no one's done that. Now, you can have Bitcoin, which is basically just pure inflation and speculation on the future. That'll never work as a global currency or anything for transactions, though, because why in God's name would I sell or trade something that will always go up in value? I won't. Same thing with anything that would be um, inflationary. You try to sell it off as quickly as you can. But something like a Monero, where I want to have money but not have the government know exactly what I'm doing because I don't want them tracking me through all sorts of things, I see value in that. Something that allows people 
that are in the adult industry to have revenue coming in and not be cut off by payment processors, they're going to find value in that. So there's going to be demand for that, et cetera. So that wouldn't be a bad way of approaching it. You just have to get around that hump, so to speak. Like Bitcoin initially was the, that was a drug currency that you bought stuff on the Silk Road, right? And that's how it started to get its traction until it ultimately became the libertarian currency, then kind of became the speculative currency. And today it's definitely pure speculation, but we'll see how that all plays out. Yeah, that's good answer, actually. Thanks. <laughs> All right, so that's the end of the podcast. Some really fascinating insights there. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. And of course, do check out Matt's podcasts. His first one, The Disruptors FM, where you can learn all about bleeding edge science and technology and the future. And his other podcast, The Syndicate, for top advice and news on investing. You should also check out the full episode that I recorded with Matt on my podcast, Growth Mindset Podcast. God, I've said the word podcast a lot lately. Um, and um, yeah, you can hear about his biggest lessons on life, success, health, and the future, which are all pretty fascinating, if you ask me. There are no rules. Don't let someone give you rules. You don't have to have a job. You don't have to have a boyfriend, a girlfriend. You can become pretty much anyone as long as you're willing to understand there aren't rules and you basically write the rules of your life. Nice. If you were eating at dinner and someone ran over to you and started screaming in your face, would that be okay? Why is that okay for your cell phone to do every 30 seconds when you get a notification? If you could have a system where you're reducing the aging that happens on the body a year for every year of technological progress, basically in a year from 2019 to 2020, the technology becomes that you can reduce aging by a year. Suddenly you're at an escape velocity where you're aging zero years per year. That gets really freaking interesting, really, really fast. You just listened to an episode of Marketing Mindset. Please hit subscribe and tell all your marketing and business buddies they need marketing mindset in their lives. If you're feeling generous or bored, then invest 20 seconds in leaving us a good rating and we should be very grateful.